God is so good. Amen, church? I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much to Kat and the worship team. Let's uh, give it up for all of our volunteers, everyone who is serving. We are in a summer of Kairos. This has been quite a summer, and if you're new here, you're wondering, what is this uh, Kairos word Pastor Chris is talking about? This is, um, this is a word that we uh, find in the New Testament of Scripture, and it talks about time. But there are some different words in the original language of the Bible, the Greek, of the New Testament, and uh, they're meant to define the word time. One of them is chronos, which means chronology, like the ticking away of time on a clock or on a watch. But the other word for time is kairos time, which means a special appointed time, a God-appointed time, an ordained time, a time to act, a time to do something specific. And so we are looking at these kairos moments that not all moments in life are created equal. There are certain moments of incredible significance. And we want to make sure that when those moments come, we are making the most of them. And so that's why we've been walking through this series, and uh, we're glad that you're here. And also, let's, let's welcome those that are watching over at the, uh, the church next door. Come on, church family, would you help me in welcoming them? We're glad to have you with us as well. And it's only a few more weeks that we're going to be watching in both of these venues. Pretty soon, we're going to be back in our renovated sanctuary. It's looking beautiful. It's coming together. And in two weeks, we're going to be back there. So uh, we can't wait for you to join us and celebrate and just pray in this new season that the Lord is bringing us into. If you, um, if you know or not, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, I was away for a week down in Florida. Um, my family and I, we went away to the conference that Mandy had shared about. It happens every two years where thousands of people come together from around the country and even around the world. Many missionaries come out to this. And uh, while we were down there in Florida, we were spending some time together. We brought the kids, and we were staying in a hotel room. And um, I learned a lesson. And here's the lesson. It's going to kind of start out the message this morning. The, les the lesson that I learned is that we can miss things. Sometimes it's easy to miss something when you're not looking for it. Does that make sense? It's easy to miss it. It can be right in front of you, but you'll miss it. And sometimes if you miss it, it has consequences. And uh, the Lord taught me this lesson. It's painful. And I said, Lord, help me, um, help me to be able to share this lesson uh, with, with others. And this is quite a, uh, quite a lesson I learned. We were staying in a hotel room, and as we were there, I had um, went to bed the night before. It was dark uh, in, the, in the room when we woke up in the morning. It was about 5 in the morning. We kept the shades shut so that the kids wouldn't wake up. And I got up thinking I knew the room layout. Now, what I did not do before I went to bed is I did not sit down and draw a map of this room, as I probably should have, because I had no idea where I was when I woke up. I got out of bed, and I figured that the bathroom was this way. And I got up, and in the pitch dark, I started walking towards the bathroom, but it wasn't a bathroom. It was a wall right in front of me. And so I, I just took two steps, and I hit a wall. Put my hand out in front of me to try to brace myself, and I broke my pinky finger. So you, I don't know if you could tell what's a bit bent right now. So on Tuesday, I have to go to a hand surgeon and see what they can do to make this a little bit better. Um, but... I learned a painful lesson that I was missing something was right in front of me because I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it, I wasn't paying attention. I think I still basically had my eyes closed when I woke up thinking I was at home or somewhere else. But I also realized this, that there are moments 
in things that God has right in front of us in our path. And every single day we're missing them. There are people that God has brought into your life and every day you're walking by them. And they're divine appointments. They are kairos moments in the making. And here's my prayer today. This is my prayer for myself and my prayer for you. Lord, would you break anything within us that you need to, to open our hearts to see the way that you see, to love the way that you love, and to make the most of the moments, Lord, that you want to give us with the people you're calling us to share your love with. Amen. Would you pray that prayer with me today? Bow your heads and your hearts. Lord Jesus, we pray that you'd speak to us through this word today. We pray, Lord God, that you would open our hearts, break us from the inside out, break our hearts for what breaks your heart, Lord. That we would see the way that you see, that we would feel the way that you feel, that we would love the way that you love, Lord. That we would be different. Lord, give us Kairos moments with people, Lord, who are desperate to see you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at a passage of scripture with our moments that we have together this morning. If you'll open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is found in the New Testament. It's the third gospel that we find there. And Luke chapter 19, we come across the story of a man who Jesus saw. A man who was a very unlikely person to spend time or associate with Jesus but his life was changed because he had a Kairos moment with Jesus, the one who saw him and loved him and welcomed him. As we get started here, I want to start in verse 1. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 19. Here's what it says starting in verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, the words are on the screen. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. And he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. I know exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> and so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road and Jesus was going to pass by that way. So there's a lot going on here and I want to just paint a picture for you to help you understand on our last trip last year to Israel, I got to go to Jericho, and there's actually a road that connects uh, Jerusalem and Jericho together, and so this would have been a pretty uh, prominent area, an area many people would have recognized and, um, and would have known about Jesus. And one of the people in that region, a very prominent person, his name is Zacchaeus. His profession, though, was a problem. It was problematic. You see, in that time, the word tax collector was a very derogatory uh, term because that occupation was not looked up upon. It was one that was taking advantage of people. The tax collectors in that day, um, they worked for the Roman government and they would go around a region and Rome would demand a certain tax. But these tax collectors, they were almost like, like bounty hunters or something. They would have to go around and at any means necessary, they would take what was owed to them. But sometimes you would find many of them were very corrupt. And when they had that amount of freedom that they could go to someone's house, knock on your door and tell you that you owed them some form of money, whatever amount they say, well, you could see that they would have the potential to take advantage of that. They took advantage of people. They robbed people. They came against them. They were harsh and dishonest in the way that they dealt with people many times. And we found that this Zacchaeus from the Bible, here we see, he was very wealthy. The wealthier a tax collector is, 
the more they've probably taken advantage of people. Does that make sense? They have a way that they've been able to get that wealth, and he hasn't done it through the right kinds of ways, honorable, honest methods. And so we see his profession is a hindrance. It has a stigma associated with it. Not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. The Apostle Paul said, I'm not just a sinner, I'm chief among sinners. This is kind of the same deal. He's like bad of the bad. He's like the worst of the worst. And so his profession was a hindrance. His wealth was a hindrance. There was another hindrance. He couldn't even necessarily see the way he needed to see. Everything's going against this guy. He's the least likely person you'd want showing up anywhere around Jesus. He's kind of the antithesis of Jesus. Jesus said, I have come to give you life. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. This guy's been stealing from people. This guy's been taking from people. Jesus said, I've come to give. He comes to take. He's the opposite. But in this moment, here's what we learn from this passage of Scripture. That he's willing to go to any lengths he can to see Jesus. We don't know why. We don't know what's going on in his life. Do you know why? Because the Bible doesn't tell us. But oftentimes, there will be people that you see in this life that are just like Zacchaeus. They have a reputation. They're broken. They've hurt people. They're rough around the edges. Whatever it might be, whatever adjectives you could think of colorful to describe them, you know who I'm talking about. And they're in your life, and they seem like they would be the last person who'd be interested with Jesus. But just watch. Sometimes you have no idea what's going on behind the scenes in their life and in their heart. But for this man Zacchaeus, he had to see Jesus. When he heard that Jesus was drawing near, he wanted to get close to him. And there was no way to see over the crowds, so he did whatever he could. He clawed and he climbed and he got up into a sycamore fig tree so that he could look at Jesus. And in that one moment, there was a Kairos moment waiting for There was a moment that was waiting. A moment that would change his life forever. A moment that could transform everything. And he put himself in the exact place to be able to see and experience it. He ran ahead of the crowds. He positioned himself above the crowds. He was attentive to see and hear Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus saw him. You know, there's a promise the prophet Jeremiah makes. And it's really God speaking through the prophet. And this is what God says to us. He says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Because I promise you this today, Zacchaeus, there was something different about his pursuit of Jesus. He wasn't coming and looking for Jesus so he could tax him. He wasn't trying to collect a debt from Jesus. There was something longing in the heart of his brokenness that needed to connect with the presence of Jesus. And I want you to know, because you know what that's felt like, but there are people around you. You may not be able to tell on the outside, but they're longing for Jesus. They're longing for what only he can bring. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about any of this kind of stuff. I'm talking about a genuine encounter with the Prince of Peace. There are some today that they don't even realize it, but they're longing for something because they're empty, they're broken, they're reaching for everything, and it doesn't satisfy them. And when Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was on his way, he began to seek after him. And he found him. And I love this in in verse 5 because it says, When Jesus came by, he looked up. Say, looked up. 
at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And I want to tell you, if they are in the first century telling this story about Jesus, and we're a bunch of Jewish people living in Israel at that time, and we would have heard this story, we would have gasped. you got to be kidding me. Jesus is going to Zacchaeus' house? No, I don't think so. But here, there's something about Jesus that's so different. There's something about Jesus that 2,000 years later we still haven't gotten. Because so often we dismiss people by outward appearance, don't we? We can so easily want to distance ourselves with those that have been pushed to the fringes, those who we see as, as difficult, dangerous, uh, those that don't seem worth our time, whatever it might be. They're so, it's so easy for us to push people to the fringes and then overlook them as we walk by. But here's what I, here's what I love, that Jesus knew all of Zacchaeus' shortcomings. He knew the man by name. Jesus had the ability to see past his shortcomings and not see past him as a person. Some of us were willing to see past the shortcomings because we just ignore people. But Jesus saw past all this stuff that everyone else was holding against him, saw to his heart and said, I'm coming to your house today. And I believe this. I believe there are people in your life. I believe there are people in your sphere of influence, people that you work with, people in your family, that Jesus is just waiting to have a sit-down conversation with them because in that moment it's going to change everything. Do you believe that, church? There are people that the Lord has a divine appointment with. If you see the calendar of heaven, I believe the Lord has divine appointment after divine appointment lined up for people in your own life, in your own sphere of influence, in your own place of work, place of family, place of friendship. And here's Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus responds to Jesus beautifully. The Bible says he quickly climbed down. He took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. But the people, the people were displeased and they said he is gone to be a guest to a notorious sinner, they grumbled. They began to grumble against Jesus. I mean, the crowds were angry. They went wild over the fact that Jesus, of all people, you're going to go to him? When I travel on missions trips or in different times and we would go to different villages, I know other people uh, that are in the room have been on missions trips and some here you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever traveled in that way, when we show up and we are a guest in a new place, in a new village, it's often customary that you would go and talk to the chief priest, the, the, the pastor of the church, some leader that's respected among the people and that's a means of you introducing yourself. As Jesus shows up in Jericho, and the crowds are waiting for him. He doesn't go to those leaders. He doesn't go to the priests. He doesn't go to anyone. He goes to Zacchaeus, a notorious sinner, and says, Zacchaeus, I see you in that tree. I see you, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus runs down. He's overjoyed. His heart is open. And they go home. The people were displeased. They couldn't imagine. That was the impact. The impact was not a popular one to the people. Listen to me again. Jesus' decision in that moment to come into Zacchaeus' life, to enter his space, to enter his world, it was unpopular with the crowds, but it was life-changing for Zacchaeus. It was a kairos moment for this man. And here's what happened. 
Jesus didn't say anything about the taxes. He didn't say anything about him taking advantage of people. He didn't say anything. His presence spoke volumes to Zacchaeus. We have no other dialogue that goes on here. In Zacchaeus' instant reply, it says, Meanwhile, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord. Jesus didn't have to say anything to him. His presence was ministering to Zacchaeus' brokenness. And in a moment he realized, he said this, Lord, I'm going to give half of all my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated any one of their taxes, I'm going back to them and I'm going to pay them four times what I took from them. Some of you are like, I need to meet this Zacchaeus guy. I, I, like, I like him now. His heart is changed. He's a changed life. He's transformed by the presence of Jesus. One Kairos moment. Would you believe that with me? Think about the most notorious person that you have relationship with in your life. Think about the person whose heart may seem so cold, who's hurt you, hurt someone you know, someone you love. Do you believe this today, that they might be just one Kairos moment away from their whole life changing? From them becoming a completely different person? That's what the presence of Jesus can do in someone's life. That's what the presence of Jesus has done time and time and time again. He has this beautiful way of turning notorious people into world changers. Into people who are forgiven, redeemed, and different. Paul, the Apostle Paul, held the jackets for men that stoned and killed a Christian leader by the name of Stephen. The Apostle Paul. But he was one Kairos moment away. One encounter with Jesus away from everything changing. If the Lord's done it for you, he could do it for them. Amen? And so meanwhile, Zacchaeus is there. He, he says this. He pleads with Jesus. He says everything that he says. And Jesus responds to him and says, Salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Jesus is the only one who has the power to turn from someone from a sinner to a son. From someone who destroys lives to a daughter or a son of the king. He's the one who has the power to transform lives and change them forever. And here's what he says in verse 10. We know this verse pretty well. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came for the broken. How many of you are thankful he came for the broken? You may feel good because you're in church now and you're dressed nice and you talk nice. But you remember where he saved you from, don't you? Come on, you're getting quiet on me. Someone know what I'm talking about here? Come on. We know where he saved us. He rescued us. We're not the same. Thank God we're not the same as we were. Some of us, though, we're not the same as we were, but we got a long way to go to look like him, right? We got a lot of work to do. And I'm thankful today that he came to seek and save the lost. Here's what I realize. That Jesus didn't come and set up camp somewhere and said, everyone just come to me. He said, I didn't come to just sit here and wait for the lost to come and find me. I've come to seek them out. I've come to find them. Why was Jesus in Jericho? Because he had an appointment with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus just didn't know it yet. He had a divine appointment because he was there to seek and save the lost. 
We have a God who is willing to go to such great lengths to save those who are far from him, to save those who don't deserve it, to save those who are bound in sin, to save those who are broken, to save those who are hurting and who, who need a touch from him that nothing else will satisfy. He's gone to such great lengths that he sent his son into the world. Jesus, it says, so God so loved the world he sent and gave his son Jesus that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. There, our God, the God that we worship, is a God who pursues us even at our worst and has the power to change us forever. But here's what I got to thinking. Those people, think of Zacchaeus. Think of someone notorious. Think of them. Here's what we don't know. We don't know the, the tears that they're shedding. We don't know the quiet thoughts of their heart. We don't know the longing that's deep within them. We don't know the brokenness that they're trying to pacify with all these things. We don't know Zacchaeus' story, but we know that he was crying out and he was reaching for Jesus. He was reaching for what only God could give him, the change that only God could bring into his life. And I promise you, there are other people that are praying prayers just like that. I remember before I knew God, when I was an atheist, when I didn't believe in him at all, and I was crying out to him. I remember the prayer that I cried out, God, show yourself to me, and I'll follow you. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer like that before? God, just reveal yourself to me. God, just give me a sign. Just do something. I'm hurting. I need peace. I need wholeness. And, and we have so many people. I promise you there are people in your life that are praying that very prayer. They're lifting it to heaven at this hour. They're looking for something for the pain, something for the brokenness, something to help them and lead them through. And here's what I believe today, church. I believe some of you today are the answer to the prayer they're praying to God right now. They're saying, God, show me yourself. And as that raises up to God, he says, okay, I have someone right there. She works with them. I'm sending her. And I believe the Lord desires to deploy a mighty field of workers that we are a part of to go and be the answer to the prayers of the broken and the hopeless and the hurting. We're just here, but church, do we see it? Do we believe it? Do we understand it? Because if we do, if we can see, if we can understand that God wants to use us. Because here's what I believe. Jesus never said anything about going to church. He didn't say anything about coming somewhere. He spoke to his followers. He said, now I want you to go. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Go into all the world and make disciples. Just as the Father sent me, I am sending you. This last week I was spending time with someone who's becoming a mentor uh, to me, a pastor in the ministry. And he's just been pouring into to my life, ministering to me, sharing, encouraging me. And he said something powerful this past week. He prayed it for us. He said, may your church not be measured successful by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And I, and I just felt the word of the Lord say, that's, that's what it's about. It's not by how many people we're going to fit in our sanctuary. It's how many people we're sending into all the world. Amen. Are you with me, church? I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful that we have a team in Guatemala right now that's there? They're in the streets. They're ministering. They're, they're, they're being the hands and feet of Jesus. I could remember when I was in Uganda last year sitting there. Oh, man, when you're on the mission field, 
You see everyone. Melinda, you know what I'm talking about. You see, you see everything. You see all the divine appointments. They're all right in front of you. Oh, here, we've got to talk to her. And everyone's just on it. They're just ministering. God's just moving. I'm telling you, they're going to come back with story after story. Our minds are going to be blown in a few weeks when we tell all the stories of all that God did this summer. But here's what I realized as I'm watching all this unfold in Uganda. Just God just showing up, people praying with people, people being healed, saved, set free. I said, no, Lord, this isn't everything. We, got, we, we can't be doing this. This can't be the only time that we're on mission. This can't be it. It can't just happen in Guatemala. It can't just happen in Uganda. God broke my heart because here's the deal. One of our values, church, is we live on mission. It doesn't just happen in other countries. That's amazing. It's a part of our calling and our identity. But we're meant to live that way every single day. I promise you, if you ask the Lord to show you, he'll give you eyes to see that you will feel just like you're on the mission field because you are. To be able to see those that God wants to call you to. Because I see it happen time and again. I'm just as susceptible as anyone. You get back from those experiences and you had eyes to see everything God wanted to show you. The people, the places, the opportunities. And we get back and it's like we turn the switch off and we go back into our everyday lives. And we say, okay, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You have no idea you're still on mission. You have no idea. God has just as many divine appointments for you right here. Right in your life, right in your work, right in your school, right wherever you are. What's the problem? We're not seeing the same way. Our eyes aren't fixed on those opportunities. There's Zacchaeus is peering through trees, looking through bushes, waiting on the outskirts, and we're not lifting our eyes to those that God wants us to see. May it be different starting today. Amen? May it change within us. You know, Jesus was speaking, John chapter 4, and his disciples were there, and it was after the woman at the well uh, situation that had just transpired. He talked to her. He told her about her whole past. She ran away to tell all her friends. And his disciples are sitting there. And I'll invite the worship team to come at this time. And his disciples are wondering, what just happened? What, why is Jesus talking to her? What is he doing here? And Jesus said to them, he said, listen, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest? But he said, no, no, it's not about that. I'm going to say to you now, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe with harvest. I want you to know, church, that word is for us. That there are people all around us. They are ripe. Do you know what Zacchaeus was? He was ripe for harvest. He was ripe for a Kairos moment. He was ripe for transformation and change. It may not have looked like it on the outside, but welling up within him was a readiness to experience the grace and mercy that comes from Jesus. And no one in that moment was willing to give him a chance. No one was even willing to part way and let him come through and see Jesus. And so often as Christians, we love to cling to the crowds. We don't like to go against the grain. But I want to tell you, God's putting a calling on us to step out. To say, I don't care if I'm unpopular. I'm going to do what Jesus would do in this moment. I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to love someone that no one else loves. I'm going to go to someone that seems so hardened and so broken, and I'm going to be Jesus with skin on to them. And as we avail ourselves in that way, God is going to open doors that you can never imagine. He's going to change us from the inside out. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He died for our sins. He rose again. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. Ten days after that, he poured out his spirit upon us. And he said, you're now going to be my witnesses. 
Now I'm empowering you to go and to do what I've done. That's the calling we have. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through who? Us. We are speaking for who? For Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come on, would you all just read that word loud with me right now? So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Stand to your feet with me this morning. And today, this is your identity, son, daughter. This is your identity. This is who Jesus has called you to be. There are Kairos moments waiting for those who are willing to step out of their comfort zone, step out of the normal, step out of the everyday, and say, Lord, send me, use me, speak to me, speak through me. And here's what I've realized. God's not looking for those who have amazing abilities. He's looking for those who are making themselves available to him. And that's what this call is this morning. If you're willing to make yourself available, if you're willing to say, Lord, no more. I want to see every Zacchaeus, every divine appointment you have for me. I don't want to miss a person. I don't want to miss a soul, Lord God. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll share what you want me to share. Lord, I'm in. I'm available, Jesus. I want to follow you. If that's you and that's your heart's cry, just walk out of your seat right now. Come meet me at this, at this platform. Come down here to this front, and we're just going to pray. We're just going to begin to call upon the name of the Lord. We're going to pray that the Holy Spirit's going to fill you with power, with a boldness, that the Lord is going to meet us in this moment. He's going to do something special in our midst. Come on, just come if that's you. We'll, we'll, we'll wait. If you're in the overflow right now, just come to the front. We'll wait for you. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Jesus, Lord God. Jesus, we thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Lord anyone else want to come, just come right now out of your seat. We're just going to begin to pray for you. If you're one of our prayer team members, stand in the front. Just begin to pray for those who are responding right now. We're going to pray for two things right now. The first thing we're going to pray for is we're going to pray that the Lord would give us his heart. That he would give us his heart to feel what he feels for those that are around us. You know, the Bible says over and over again that Jesus was moved with compassion. We're going to begin to pray that that same compassion would fill our hearts and our lives today. So that's you right now. I want you just to take your hand, place it on your chest, place it on your heart, all around this room, everywhere within the sound of my voice, and just begin to pray right now. Begin to pray that the Lord would give you his heart for others, his heart for the lost, his heart for the broken. Lord, we pray today, Lord, give us your heart, Lord God, for those that need to know you. Give us your heart for those, Lord God, that need to feel and experience your love. Give us your heart, Lord God, for those who have been forgotten, for those who are on the outskirts, for those who are clawing and climbing and reaching for you, Lord God. Give us your heart to not miss them, Lord God. Oh, Lord Jesus, make us sensitive, we pray. Holy Spirit, prompt us, speak to us, use us, Lord God. And Lord, we pray right now that you give us your eyes as well, Lord God. Allow us to see people the way you see them. Allow us not just to side with the crowds and with others, Lord God. Allow us to see past labels, Lord God, and, and, and defense mechanisms and other areas. Help us to see them with your eyes, Lord God. To see to their heart, not to see past them, Lord God. 
but to be able to have an open window to minister to them. Oh, and Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you would reign over this place, reign over this altar, reign over every life that is reaching out to you, everyone that's making themselves available to you. Lord God, I pray you'd anoint them. I pray that you'd empower them. I pray that you'd set them apart, Lord God, to be used by you. That, Lord, you'd raise up someone today, Lord God, that will see the lost found, Lord God, the hurting healed, Lord God, the broken restored, Lord, and use us first, Jesus. Let us be your ambassadors. Let us be you, the ones that you have called to send into the fields, Lord God. We love you. We thank you. We worship you, Lord God. Oh, we thank you, Lord God. Lord, we pray today, Lord God, that you would commission us, Lord God, that you would send us out, Lord God, that you would use us as your hands and feet, Lord God, that we would see those that you want us to see, that we would speak the words you would want us to say. Holy Spirit, give us the words when we don't have them. And that we would help people to have an encounter with you. May lives be changed. May addictions be broken. May the hurting be healed, Jesus, we pray. And Lord, would you just use us for your glory. Here am I, Lord, send me. Come on again, one more time, if you're making yourself available to the Lord, just lift your hands before him right now and say, Lord, here I am. Send me, use me, Lord God. Give me new eyes to see, Lord God. Give me new opportunities, Lord God, to share. We thank you, Jesus, Lord God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we commit them to you now, Lord, for your goodness, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, would you praise the Lord this morning? Amen. We're going to continue to pray here at the altar. If you need prayer, just wait. We're going to get to you. We'll continue to pray over you. If you need to go, you're free to go today. Please join us at the popover event. If you're new, if you've been coming for a year or so, stop over. We want to have a treat and get to know you. And uh, if not, we'll see you next Sunday and this Wednesday night. God bless.